Welcome to First Baptist Church in Belton. We are glad you found us. We seek to know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally together. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. I work carefully every week with Brother Gary and Brother Matt on planning our worship service. So I knew somebody had slipped one in when I looked at the order of service this morning and saw this video about me. So I'll have to talk to those two guys this week about that. But I appreciate it. So you do that and you expect me to get up and preach. I'm not sure that I can, I can hold it together, but God will help us. And what great memories to see those pictures this morning of uh, weddings and baby dedications and some of the greatest, greatest memories of our ministry here, uh, involved in those, in those two events. Thank you for being such a wonderful church family. I love you. And uh, I will preach in just a moment, but, um, let me just mention, I hope you saw, I'm not going to take long on this because you can go to realm and look, but there were two announcements that came out this week that are of great significance. And one is about the business conference where we, the elders will recommend a change in the bylaws that I think will be helpful in the process of selecting the next pastor. So please give attention to that. Next Sunday at the close of both services, we'll have a very short call business conference that the purpose is simply to present the motion and then end the business conference. That's what our bylaws say we have to do. So those motions will be presented, and then on November the 1st at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, there'll be a business conference, and there may be other items, but it will give you an opportunity to vote on that in regard to the selection of the pastor search team. The other thing is the announcement that on October the 18th, effective October the 18th, we'll be entering into phase three in our regathering uh, process, and the phase three will uh, allow us to begin uh, Sunday school for all ages once again. So we look forward to that. Give attention to details. There will be some changes, locations, and, and protocols, and masks will still be required and, and be more important than ever, quite frankly, when we're in smaller spaces. And so give attention to that. But just wanted you to know our, we've longed to return to Bible study in a kind of the traditional way. It's been going on on Zoom and and small groups have been meeting around, but uh, a return to Sunday school, that will happen on October the 18th. So give attention to all of the details of that. Let's bow our heads. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take my refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I've been saved from my enemies. Oh, Father, thank you. You are our rock, our shield, our horn. Father, you have sent your son Jesus to die on the cross that our sins might be forgiven, that we might be redeemed, that we might be saved, that we might have eternal life and a walk with you. And thank you for all of the blessings you have poured out upon us. 
we've come today to worship you. Thank you that you allow us to, to lift our voices in praise. And though because of masks it may seem that our voices are muffled before the throne of God, they are not because you hear our voices as they are sung, filled with joy and adoration for you. We love you. We adore you. We thank you. And in a few moments when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, I pray today that your name will be glorified in this place and that the expressions of our heart will be pleasing to you. Father, we say again to you, we love you. We adore you. We worship you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you will uh, open your Bibles, please, to the Gospel of Matthew, the third chapter. Gospel of Matthew, the third chapter. And uh, we'll read some verses there in just a moment, then look at a couple of other passages of Scripture as today we prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Now, it's going to be a little different Um, you should have received one of these or you should have picked one of these up as you came in. So I don't want to distract from the message, but understand, and I'll go through this again in a few moments, you want to take your thumb or your finger and just the pointed part, right, that just lightly flick, just lightly flick it, and it will separate the thin cellophane from the thicker cellophane and you'll just pull it back. Don't do it right now. You'll just pull it black and you'll be able to turn it over and get your wafer. Then when we do the juice, you'll take the thicker, the thicker cellophane, carefully pull it all the way back and you'll have access to the juice. I'll go over it again in a few minutes. I think it will be an interesting experience for us today. In my last messages as your senior pastor, I've, I've asked you to remember how much Jesus loves you. I've asked you to remember the greatness of our God. I've asked you to remember the joy of being a Christian. I've asked you to remember the importance of sharing Jesus globally. I've asked you to remember the joy and the privilege of stewardship. And I've asked you to remember the necessity of defending the gospel, the importance of defending the gospel. So today will be my last Lord's Supper with you as your pastor. It won't be my last Lord's Supper with you, I hope, but it will be the last one as as pastor. As we look back uh, in, in January, just it was just a normal uh, Lord's Supper. But then a lot happened between January and April when we celebrated again. And when we celebrated in April... Uh, we celebrated with me leading you f- virtually from our living room. Sharon and I were able to do that together. And then in July, we again ser- celebrated virtually, and Dr. Gish led us in our celebration of the Lord's Supper. Well, here we are today. Aren't we glad we're back together? But it'll be different. Not quite ready to start passing trays again, so... We'll enjoy this as we worship the Lord. On October the 18th, in both morning services, we will have baptism, and that will be my last baptism as your senior pastor. And there may be some in this room who know Jesus, you've trusted him as Savior and Lord, but you've not yet been baptized. 
will be the day for you to be baptized, and I'll give you some information on that shortly. And also there are some here who don't yet know Jesus, and I hope that today will be the day you place your faith and trust in the Savior, and then the opportunity of baptism would be yours on October the 18th. So today, the importance of baptism in the Lord's Supper, we call that the two ordinances, the two orders of the church. And so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 3, the baptism of Jesus. Then we're going to look at the Great Commission. We've looked at that a lot lately. And then we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, just a few verses there. So let's stand and honor the reading of God's Word. First of all, Matthew 3, beginning with verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan, that is the Jordan River, to be baptized by John. That's John the Baptist. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And then Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, the Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Then in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with verse 23, we generally read this passage every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. You may be seated. So a few thoughts before we celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning. And we'll begin with baptism. First of all, Jesus was baptized. Jesus himself was baptized. Part of the fulfillment of all righteousness, part of the plan of God from eternity past, Jesus was baptized. Understand that Jesus' baptism was an act of identification. It was an act of identification. Jesus identified with us in baptism. He had no sin, but he identified with us in baptism. It signaled, this baptism signaled his intention to die for us. He took the place of sinners on the cross and was baptized. Back during World War II, some of you have read in history, I'm sure no one in this room can possibly remember it, but in World War II, uh, the siege of Leningrad, the Germans 
besieged Leningrad, and it was a long, horrendous, uh, life-costing battle. Over 900,000 people perished. That's hard to comprehend, to get your arms around 900,000 people perishing in the long siege of Leningrad. And at one point, the Russians realized that they may be overrun, and so they wanted to do something to save their children from the Nazis and also from starvation. And so they placed all the children on trucks and drove them across a frozen lake to another location in hopes that they could find safety for them there. But the poignant thing, as it's been recorded in history, is that many of those Russian mothers, as their children were being taken away on trucks, and would that give you a lump in your throat, mothers and fathers? As those children were being carried away, many of the mothers weeping as they saw their children be carried away, waved to them and said, remember your name, remember your name, remember who you are. For most of those mothers never expected to see their children again, and indeed many of them never did. By our baptism, we commit ourselves to faithfully remember who we are and to honor the one who died for us. And so Jesus was baptized and it was an act of identification. Jesus was baptized and it was an act of dedication in, in the fact that for almost 30 years he had lived in relative obscurity But now with this baptism, he begins his public ministry. And quite frankly, you can mark this moment as the moment in which the world would never be the same again. And it began with this act of dedication, as it were, on the part of Jesus. And then Jesus was baptized and it was an act of revelation in the fact that it was a revelation of his power because the Holy Spirit came upon him as it were as a dove and marked this moment of the fact that Jesus is God in the flesh and Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It is a revelation of the power that is his that will be demonstrated over and over and over again in the next three years of his ministry, then ultimately in his crucifixion, an incredible demonstration of his power in that he did not come down off the cross, but he stayed on the cross for you and for me. There he remained, was buried, and then on the third day up from the grave, he arose, and because of that, our lives have been changed for all of eternity. Jesus was baptized, and it was an act of declaration because the Father from heaven spoke and said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. This is my Son, and I love Him. Listen to all that he says. And so we do, though today we don't hear his audible voice, 
We hear him in scripture and we hear as the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart and applies that scripture to our lives. Secondly, baptism was commanded by Jesus. Jesus himself was baptized, but he also commanded baptism. And because we have spoken so much lately, I I mean, I've spoken so much lately from the pulpit on, on the Great Commission, no elaboration should be needed. But just to remember, it says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So for us, baptism becomes an act of obedience. And baptism has been practiced since that day on the part of the church believers baptism was commanded now thirdly baptism has meaning it does it does it does how many baptisms have you seen most of you have been baptized i'm sure you vividly remember your baptism regardless of when it was how many have you watched from here or other places. It has meaning. When we watch baptism, we're, we're not saying, oh, oh, I've got an extra five minutes here. I can doodle or look up what the news is or et cetera, et cetera. No, 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 no. We look and we say, oh, my goodness, there's another one and another one and another one who's given his or her life to Christ. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And we don't remain silent. We applaud. We've been known to cheer. I've heard a lot of things come out of this room when they're baptism. I distinctly thought I heard someone say, I can't believe he did it. <laughs> but uh, it's a moment of celebration. So it has meaning for believers. It has meaning for believers. Baptism does not save a person. The scripture says, for by grace, Are you saved through faith that not of yourselves? It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But we understand baptism is important and it's of no value to one who does not believe. It's an after salvation experience. A person reaches an age when they're old enough to understand what it means to be a Christian and their need for a savior, their need for forgiveness and and repentance. And so they, they, they repent and give their lives to Christ And they understand and they follow that with baptism. It has meaning. Any other kind of baptism is not biblical. Baptism has meaning for believers. It is, it is by immersion. It is by immersion. When you immerse something, you, you put it under the water all the way. All the way. Uh, that's the meaning of the word. Now we can say dunk or Push under the water, submerge, whatever word you want to use. Immersion means under the water all the way. Now, my, 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 hundreds of baptisms through the year. No, I can't remember all of them, but I remember some of them. Um, Significant. But, you know, I I want to be sure that I'm true to Scripture, so I want to be sure every person gets under the water. And there have been a couple of times that wasn't easy. Required a little more force. (laughs) 
Maybe that's one reason why I'm retiring. I can't give quite as much force as I used to. But it's important. It has meaning. It is immersion. It is a, it is a picture of what? The burial, the death, the burial of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Baptism is also a public, it is a public declaration. That's why it's after salvation. There's nothing to proclaim before salvation. So after salvation, it is a public identification, a public declaration. It is as, as it were a public pledge of allegiance that I belong to Jesus. It's a way to tell others there's no turning back. This is an enormous, enormous moment. The late M.R. DeHaan, I've always been fascinated, and I'm sure at some point in my ministry here I've quoted this, but bear with me, I'm going to quote it again. He wrote, in the early days of the church, baptism was a declaration that the believer was definitely identifying himself with that group of people who were called Christians and were despised and hated. To be a Christian meant something. To identify yourself with those who were called Christians meant persecution, maybe death. It meant being ostracized from your family, shunned by friends. And by the way, that's, that's not just ancient history. That's today for many. That's today. And the one act which was the final declaration of this identification was baptism. As long as a person gathered with Christians, he was tolerated. But when once he submitted to baptism, he declared to all the world, I belong to this despised group of people. And immediately he was persecuted, hated, and despised himself. In baptism, therefore, the believer entered into the fellowship of the sufferings of Christ. A person might be a believer and keep it strictly a secret and thus avoid unpleasantness and suffering. But once he submitted to public baptism, he had burned his bridges behind him, as it were. Baptism is also a picture of transformation. It's an outward sign of an inner change. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Second Corinthians five seventeen. I use the word. Different pastors say different things, but but when when I take someone down and bring them back up, I say to walk in newness of life. I never want to slur those words. I want everybody who hears it to understand what I say. To walk in newness of life because we have a new life in Christ and baptism is a picture of the change that's taken place in our hearts. Our, 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 it's, a, it's a picture of cleansing. All I say to the baptismal candidates in our, in our pre-baptismal meeting, I, I, I'll say, you know, when you go outside and you, you, you work or you play, you get hot and, and you perspire and you get sweaty. And, and so you come in, you take a shower or a bath and you get clean. It feels good. Baptism pictures that on the inside. Cleansing on the inside. Well, Baptism is also a picture of Jesus. As I said, his death, his burial, his resurrection. It is a picture of Jesus, a reminder. And then baptism is an entry into the local church. Now understand, salvation is entry into the church universal. Church universal, all believers everywhere for all the ages. Baptism is an entry into the church local. One time only. Can you go to heaven without being baptized? Of course. But why would you want to? 
I mean, not why would you want to go to heaven, but why would you not want to be baptized? An outward sign of your inner commitment. Part of your witness. It, it is being obedient. It's part of your identification with Jesus. I, I um, in 2013, in October of, of 2013, uh, no, April, April the 16th, 2013, Pat Summerall died. Some of you remember him. Uh, Pat Summerall was an NFL player, went to the University of Arkansas, and we'll forgive him for that. He went to the University of Arkansas, and then he was drafted, played pro football for Detroit and the old Chicago Cardinals. It became St. Louis Cardinals, became the Arizona Cardinals. And then he played for the New York Giants. And then he became a broadcaster, first with CBS and then with, with Fox. He was a hard partier, and he had a partner at CBS that he partied with. And here's what Pat Summerall said about that. You remember him? 16 Super Bowl broadcasts, 26 Masters golf tournament broadcasts, 21 U.S. Open golf tournaments broadcast. Quite, quite the man. He said, we raised Cain. I was the first guy at the bar and the last to leave. He drank so heavily that it began to take its toll on his body, especially his liver. And so his doctor said, if you keep drinking, you are going to die soon. Pat Summerall checked himself into the Betty Ford Clinic, and there a counselor told him that he needed to get some things right spiritually in his life. And Pat Summerall, at the age of 66, gave his life to Christ and followed the Lord in baptism. And here's what he said about it in a USA Today interview. When the minister leaned me back in the water, I never felt so helpless in all my life. I knew that I had given my life to Christ, but right then I knew I belonged to the church body. I can't tell you how great my life has been since then. Pat Summerall was granted by God 17 more years. Some don't think he would have lasted 17 months had he continued in his lifestyle. But God gave him 17 more years dying at the age of 82. So October the 18th, we'll have baptism. And if there's someone here who knows Jesus, no doubt about it, but you need to be baptized, come forward at the invitation this morning, let us know. And on the 18th, you can be baptized or call me this week and we'll talk about it. Okay. If you don't know Jesus at the invitation in a moment, I plead with you, come and give your life to Christ. All right. Lastly, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, which you're going to celebrate in a moment. So first of all, we have a requirement because Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Do this becomes a command to us who are believers. Do this in a worthy manner, meaning the way you celebrate should be, that does not mean that we're worthy. We, we are definitely not. But what it means is celebrating in a worthy manner with honor, with reverence, with respect. In fact, we have two ordinances in the church, two orders, two celebrations, Lord's Supper and baptism, but they're so distinctive. In baptism, we will shout and we'll clap and even stomp our feet and we'll yell and carry on. But at the Lord's Supper, we don't do that. We treat it with reverence and, and quietness and dignity. How often do we 
do it. The Bible doesn't say it's silent. Often enough, I hope that all can participate in frequently, perhaps enough to heighten the meaning and significance for all of us. We have a reason to celebrate. Yes, it's a command, but it's also an opportunity to proclaim. For Jesus said, whenever you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we, we preach, we proclaim, we witness when we do the Lord's Supper. I belong to Jesus, the one who died on the cross for me, the one who arose from the grave, the one who shed his blood for me, the one who forgave my sins, the one who gave me the gift of eternal life. I belong to him, and I proclaim that in the Lord's Supper. I've seen a lot in my time, some crazy things theologically. I've seen people that I thought knew better go off and do some insane things. I just want to point us back again and again to Romans 1.16. Cling to this. Hang on to this. Don't be swayed from it. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Cling to that. We have a reminder in the Lord's Supper. Do this in remembrance of me. What does this mean? The bread represents his body. The juice represents his shed blood. Can you remember as a kid uh, watching mom and dad take the Lord's Supper if you had the privilege of growing up, growing up in church? Did, when was the first time you wondered, what, is this, what does this mean? What, how come I can't have a cracker? What, what is this all about? And maybe you ask, your parents, and I trust they were able to give you an answer. And I was listening carefully to what my father said. Listen carefully to the preacher. And I began to understand what the bread represented, what the juice represented. And it reminds us, this is not a meaningless ritual we're about to do. This is a vivid reminder. We have a relationship. It's a twofold focus. Our relationship to God through Jesus We celebrate and worship him this morning and our relationship with each other through Jesus. We do this together. It's a family moment, a partnership in Christ. Well, lastly, we have a respect. As we celebrate, we set our hearts and our minds on Christ We reflect on the cross. We look forward to his return. And we'll keep doing this until he comes. But we also examine our hearts. Only let a person examine himself. So I ask you these final four questions. Are you a Christian? Have you given your life to Christ? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you belong to him? If not, would you give him your life today? Second question, is there some sin that needs to be confessed? The quietness of the moment, now's the time. Third question, is there some obedience that needs to be done? In other words, the Spirit of God has told you something you need to do and you've not yet done it. It's time to obey. And then the last question, is there a reconciliation that's needed? 
angry, upset with someone, your your spouse, your child, your parent, your brother, your sister, a fellow believer, is there a reconciliation that needs to be made? Do that soon. We have a respect. And so in a moment, we will celebrate the Lord's Supper. Bow with me, please, for prayer. Before we celebrate the invitation, the opportunity for someone here to give his or her heart to Jesus. You sense the Spirit of God tugging at your heart. You know this is the moment. You know this is the time. So when we stand and begin to sing in a moment, will you come? Share with me that you need Jesus. And remember, our staff will be here to pray with you. That This might be the day of salvation for you. Now, Father, may someone come, may someone respond this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You come as we stand and sing. If you would like more information, visit our church website at fbcbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street in Belton, Texas. We hope to see you soon.